I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Welcome to Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books, the podcast that features conversations with writers of all types. Today's episode of Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books has been sponsored by The Craft Studio. With locations in New York City, on the Upper East Side, and in Tribeca, The Craft Studio is a perfect place to bring your kids for some crafting fun. CraftStudioNYC.com. I'm thrilled to welcome Gail Honeyman. Gail is the author of Eleanor Oliphant is Completely Fine, which is her debut novel. A graduate of the Universities of Glasgow and Oxford, she currently lives in Glasgow, Scotland. Her book has sold to 30 territories worldwide, was a number one New York Times bestseller, and has won many notable literary prizes, including the Lucy Cavendish Fiction Prize back when it was still a work in progress. So please join me in welcoming Gail Honeyman. Thanks so much for coming on the show. My pleasure. Um, so for any listeners out there who haven't read Eleanor Oliphant is Completely Fine, which, by the way, I am obsessed with and I thought it was the best book ever, um, can you just give them a quick synopsis of what your book is about? Sure. Um, so Eleanor is uh, Eleanor is not completely fine. Spoiler alert. Um, she is twenty nine years old. She lives in Glasgow in Scotland, and she has um, an apartment and a job. And she lives a very regimented life. She likes routine. Um, she's quite a strange character. She's quite a challenging character. <laughs> Um, and I guess the best way to sum it up is that she's someone who has learned how to survive, but not really how to live, Ooh, if that makes sense. I love that. Yeah, that's a great description. I mean, I guess you've had time to practice, but it was really good. I liked it. <laughs> um, so this was your first novel, and it's incredible. I thought that wasn't supposed to happen with first novels, that they were, you know, you'd knock it out of the park like this. How did you end up writing this amazing book? Uh, well, I mean, it's I'm, I've just been incredibly lucky, as you say, that that um, for a, a, a debut novel to 
for the things that have happened, it have been, it still hasn't quite sunk in, I'm still pinching myself. <laughs> um, <laughs> I, uh, I always wanted to write and I kept putting it off and thinking, you know, one day, one day, and then it was, it's a bit of a cliche, but it was my 40th birthday, and, um, you know, that way big birthday, sometimes focus your mind on things that you haven't done yet that you might want to do, so I, uh, I said, to, you know, I just said to myself, well, if you, if you think you might want to try and do this, why don't you just get started, so um, I did, it took about two and a half years, because um, I, I had a full-time job, so I was writing in my lunch break. Wow. Mostly, um, just writing little and often, and and uh, I never expected. I mean, my my main goal was just, as I say, just to prove to myself whether or not I could um, write a novel over eighty thousand words, ninety thousand words, tell a story over that kind of size of canvas, and um, yeah, did not expect anything. I didn't expect anyone to publish it or or any of the things that have subsequently happened. Did you had you written short stories or shorter essays? Or I, yeah, when I, well, I mean, when I started, when I decided to, to to start writing, I started with short stories, and um, they're not any easier. But the I mean, in many ways, short fiction is is more difficult to write, or just as difficult to write well. But um, they felt more achievable. You know, you can start and finish a piece of short fiction over a period of weeks. Whereas, and, and that's 3,000 words or 5,000 words, whereas 90,000 words uh, is, a bit of, is a bit of a more daunting prospect. And, and so, as I say, I just wanted to prove to myself whether or not I could grapple with that sort of size of, of canvas. And why this particular story? What gave you the idea? Um, so, it was a newspaper article that I read about loneliness. And it was a few years ago now, um, so I don't know how things are in the US, but in the UK, uh, loneliness isn't, wasn't at that time discussed very much at all in the media. Things are much better now. Mm-hmm. Um, but a few years ago, what you didn't really see the topic discussed much at all, and, and if it was, it was usually in the context of older people. Mm-hmm. And that, that's obviously an issue too, a big issue. But this particular interview, this particular article had an interview with a young person, a woman in her 20s, and she lived in a big city and she had a job and an apartment. But she said to the interviewer, I, I leave work at fri- on Friday at 5pm and I don't speak to another human being or see another human being till I go back to work again on Monday, Monday morning back in the office. And I was really struck by that because it was so... Unusual to hear a young person articulate that experience of loneliness, and also that it was very different to how the lives of urban twenty-something professionals are usually portrayed in the media. You know that it's life's just one big party and you're out every night socialising. And sure, it is like that for lots of people, but it's obviously not like that for lots of people too, and it's not by choice and not by not to their own fault. It, It just when I started to think about how people might find themselves living that kind of life, it, it wasn't really wasn't difficult to come up with lots of different routes and reasons for that to come about. So from there, that was the seed that the story and the character of Eleanor Olsen eventually grew from. Interesting. 
I don't know about you. I feel like some of the loneliest moments in my life actually were when I was younger because uh, I feel like there's something about everybody being out and about and like sitting at outdoor cafes and eating dinner and if you just have a minute where you're not with someone else I feel like that can feel worse than I don't know later in life did you did you feel like that at all yourself or is it was it just, just me and the woman <laughs> no I think it's you say I think it's a fairly universal experience um and when I've been talking with about to people to years about the book, it, and certainly people, are, are, you know, readers have said that it, it, it's not a, it's not by no means an unusual experience. Yeah. Um, and hopefully, it's not for most people. It isn't as prolonged an experience as it is for Eleanor, and not for the reasons exactly um, that Eleanor has for it. And hopefully, that's the case. But but the actual experience of loneliness itself is a is a universal one. I think. Yeah, well, I think you did such a nice job of it. Although I have to say, Eleanor didn't seem to be bothered by it that much, right? I mean, she you mentioned, you know, that she had gone, like the woman in the article, that the whole weekend, and she said she it didn't really seem to, she didn't really seem to mind. She was just like, oh, look at that. I don't think I've spoken in a few days. Do you think she, it, it bothered her, or do you think it only bothers some people, or most people, or what do you think? I think, well, I mean, it's interesting to think about solitude and loneliness are two different things so I think Eleanor's by inclination quite a solitude person but and so solitude is something that people choose and enjoy lots of people like spending some time on their own and you know they find that energizing and enjoyable but loneliness is not something that you choose it's something that's imposed upon you mm-hmm. so I think Eleanor as a character, she's someone who enjoys. She's quite solitary by nature, but but she doesn't realise that she's also incredibly lonely. And those are two different things because one is just part of your personality and is an enjoyable thing, and the other is something that's imposed upon you that you don't want, and it's not a state that you enjoy experiencing. And it's only when she starts to make connections slowly. And in small steps, it's only when she starts to make connections. I think then that she has the context to realise that she's that she's lonely. She realises what she's been missing. Right. Does that make sense? Totally. Yes. Yeah, that totally makes sense. Do you? Um, you said you were writing it at your lunch break at work. So now I'm basically picturing you in Eleanor Olivens, like. Work, work office? Was that what it was like, or did you just copy it around you? <laughs> no, it's, it's, I, I, um, it's absolutely not autobiographical in okay. any way. <laughs> <laughs> no, no IT guy for you, huh? <laughs> <laughs> it's, um, I mean, for me, part of the challenge and the 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 enjoyment of writing is to write something, de- you know different people who are characters who are totally different to you and experiences that, that are different to the ones that you have because that's that's part of the whole challenge of it is to try and see the world through completely different eyes and uh, yeah, yeah. What, what kind of job were you doing when you were writing the book um I was working in higher education hmm. um yeah which was I mean it, it wasn't an office <laughs> so there's that in common um, but again, that's quite you know, lots of lots of people working in an office environment, but you don't tend to read about them very often. There isn't much fiction yeah. set in offices that I've come across. So you were um, so you were so funny about the planning of the holiday party. 
That's awesome. I love that. You're like, I guess people want to get together and have fun here. Anyway, it was so funny. Um, you were also so funny. I mean, your book could be just like how to make personal grooming into the funniest things in the entire world. Like the bikini wax, the manicure, the haircut, the makeover, the, the personal shopping. It's like you, you showed the readers all these things that we as women do all the time in, in, in this like whole new hilarious way, right? Because we do these crazy things and it is all just crazy. Um, and I loved how um, at the manicure when she asks the nail technician if she always wanted that job and the technician said that she'd been debating between working with animals or being a nail technician, but her mother had told her she should do nails. So Eleanor asks, is your mother an economist or a qualified careers advisor? Because if not, then I'm sure, I'm not sure that her advice was necessarily informed by the latest data on her earnings projections and labor market demand and then you said the thought did strike me as she painted on various coats and various furnishes that she could perhaps have she could have perhaps combined the two professions by becoming a dog groomer <laughs> however i elected to keep my counsel on the matter sometimes when you tried to help with suggestions it could lead to misunderstandings not all of them entirely unpleasant <laughs> i loved that um so eleanor you know i found in your book she often says and does these things um totally unexpected just unfiltered um and some people respond you know a lot of them by laughing and a lot of them in different ways like do you think eleanor how do you think eleanor reacts to those reactions oh that's a good question that's an interesting question i i suspect she is equally puzzled by both sets of reactions um if she stops to think about it at all, she's, I mean, when we first meet her, she's so enclosed in her own world, in her own little life, in her own Eleanor bubble. I'm not sure she even spends much time thinking about other people's reactions mm-hmm. to her. Um, and that's, that's part of the... It, that's, a part of, that's something that she learns to do more of as she starts to grow and develop as a character, I think, to be aware to be more of aware of herself and more aware of the the impact of her interactions with other people and, and to to care about them more as well, I think. I mean, I definitely think empathy is something that a lot of people need to work on, sort of putting themselves in other shoes. Um, this is just a, a particularly striking example, but um, I think it, uh, you know, illustrates a lot of people how they... They may, unfortunately, sometimes be feeling. <laughs> um, you also, the, the other line I thought was so funny was after she got her Bobby Brown makeover when she's convinced that the makeup person is actually Bobby Brown, which was also funny. And he said, I look like a small Madagascan primate or perhaps a North American raccoon. It's charming. <laughs> and she just says that to the woman. It's so funny. Anyway, now every time I'm like putting on my eye makeup, I'm thinking about this line of yours. So, so you're now like haunting me in my Sorry, sorry, go on. No, Oh, go ahead, go ahead. I was going to say, it, it, it was so fun to write her um, because in all kinds of ways, but in those examples that you've cited, the everyday things that lots of people experience and don't really think about. Um, so she, she's all, it's all, although she's 29 and she's very intelligent and she's very well-educated, it's almost as though she's hatched out of an egg right. as, a, as a very intelligent, educated newly hatched person so just trying to look at these everyday things with completely fresh eyes and think you know what would Eleanor actually make of this never having encountered it before and having no preconceived ideas about it um, 
so I'm glad you it made you laugh because I made myself laugh when I was writing it. Oh my so gosh, it's I, good to know that it made you laugh as well. My, I'm sure I'm not the only one, which is why it's so popular. My husband like kept looking over at me as I like burst out laughing. <laughs> and actually, I read um, this was the first book that I did, I read in the car with my kids as an audiobook because I was dying to read it and I had all these long drives to and from pick up at camp and I would put it on and and uh, and tell them basically what was going on in the story. And- Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello? Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. Sometimes we all have stuff we need to get off our chests. Even if we don't think it's interfering with our daily life, there are some things you just haven't processed be it grief or trauma, eating disorders, anything, it might be time to work on those things. And I have a solution for you. Therapy. Online therapy by BetterHelp. It's designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. I took the brief questionnaire online where there were, I don't know, 20 questions. It didn't take long at all, maybe three minutes. And then I got matched with a therapist who could help me work on whatever. I picked trauma because... Even though it happened in 2001, I am somehow still not over the loss of my friend on 9-11. And it is what it is. BetterHelp is going to help, and I am so excited, especially because with my special code, instead of $80 a month, it is 10% off, $72 a month, which is so much less than traditional therapy, and you'll get a perfect therapist for you. There are 35,000 therapists to choose from, so you'll find the right one. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash moms don't have time today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash moms don't have time. And they got really into it. And the other day, my daughter was like, hey, whatever happened to that book? That really funny book? Because, you know, the accent was funny to her. She's five years old. Anyway, um, so I, I I combined the audiobook with the reading of the book. And uh, anyway, it was just really awesome so the whole family was like very excited that I was talking to you today <laughs> I think the um the actress who Kathy McCann who who read the audiobook did a fantastic job as well she's, she really she's did. a great narrator yeah she, yeah that was that was really fantastic um so Eleanor's relationship with alcohol is another big part of the story it ends up not serving her very well she you write a lot about her buying it and drinking it and um you had this funny passage where she tried to buy vodka before 10 and said uh annoyingly it meant that I would have to go out later 
again later to get my vodka. Why couldn't you just purchase it in the same way you bought, say, milk to wit at any shop at any time that it was open? Ridiculous. It was an illogical law, really. What was the difference between buying vodka at 10 past 9 in the morning and 10 past 10? Vodka is for me merely a household necessity, like a loaf of bread or a packet of tea. (laughs) So, um... Tell me about why you put this part of her, um, you know, response to the rest of her life, or why did you just tell me? About, just tell me more about the alcohol part, please. <laughs> yeah, um, I guess it's a. Uh, it's back to her being a survive, someone who survives rather than fully lives a life, and so she doesn't socialise, she has no social life, so it's a, I guess I wanted to show that there's no social enjoyment of it for her, it's a a, a coping mechanism, it's a a survival part of her, you know, a a very ill-informed part of her survival Mm -hmm. techniques. yeah, and, and something, again, without wanting to give away the plot, right. something that can be developed and um, as she develops as a person, her, her relationship with that can change too. Yeah. Does that make sense? Sorry, I'm sort of skirting around things here, but I, I don't want to... No, I don't want to ruin the yeah. plot either. I, I, I will be very... Um, no, I think that was a good... That's a good answer. I'll take it. I'll take it. <laughs> um... So Eleanor's friendship with Raymond is her first sort of normal, healthy relationship with an adult male. It happens, um, you know, by accident at the very beginning. It leads to this whole string of life-changing events in the book. Mm-hmm. Um, you you referenced her past relationship, and I don't know how much to give away here, and how she eventually ends up telling Raymond about the issues she had had with her other relationship, how did you decide to have her interact with men in this, in this way? Like the, the previous one and then this one. Mm-hmm. Um, so without, without giving me, anything away. When we meet Eleanor, she's saying that she has a whole path leading up to that point, which we won't go into, but we, which we do find out over the course of the novel right. that has helped to shape her to become the person that she is when we first meet her and it's, and it's been it's not giving too much away to say that's been pretty challenging to say the least right. um, when she, Raymond when she encountered Raymond my hope for Raymond as a character when I wrote him was uh, I think there are a lot of Raymonds in the world he's a he's a, a decent kind thoughtful um, gentle intelligent just a really nice man, you know? Yeah. Um, and I think there are lots of Raymonds in the world, but they don't tend to fe- feature in fiction very often for some reason. So I really wanted to include a character like that, and I really wanted to explore platonic friendship between men and women um, in the context of Eleanor and Raymond. Um, because, again, I think that's, not, that's something that's quite common in real life, but it's not something that features in fiction very often. So, um, he, his very small kindnesses to Eleanor at the start of the relationship, even though she's actually pretty rude to him when she first meet him, um, his very small kindnesses have disproportionately enormous ramifications in terms of Eleanor's development as a person, as a human, if that doesn't sound too grandiose, and, um, 
Yeah, so it was, it, that, I wanted to explore that in particular, that, that interaction between the two of them as a, as a platonic friendship. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah, that makes sense. I like it. Um, I think it, I can't go into all the other stuff because then I'd give more away. So I'll, I'll go to the next. <laughs> I'll, I'll it's so to difficult the... to talk about this book without getting things away. <laughs> it is, it is. Um, um, well, I wanted to talk about Eleanor's, you know, the weekly conversations that she has with her mom mm. um, and how you use them to sort of slowly, you know, show more of these changes with her. Um, mm-hmm. So I'm just asking, like, from a process of the writing perspective, did you know this whole story from the beginning? Like, did you did you know when you started the weekly calls where the whole plot would end up? Did you, is this one of those things some writers like, oh, my characters took on a life of their own? Or did you have it all outlined? Like, how did you go about doing it? So, yeah, that's a really interesting question. I, there's a piece of, a huge piece of information that's revealed right at the very end of the book. And I knew that piece of information. Okay. But I, I knew nothing about how I would get from Ellen on page one to that piece of information becoming apparent on page 300 and whatever. <laughs> so, um, it was, it was not, I don't plot in detail in the way that you describe some writers do, it was very much a case of just take, I had the character and I spent a lot of time developing the character and the voice of the character and I let that guide me to get to this piece of information that's revealed at the end. Hmm. It's probably not the most efficient way to write a novel. It might be more efficient to plot every chapter in in detail but um, that's not how I do it. I, I like to just let the character lead as it were. Um, but it's different, whatever works, you know, but the great thing about writing is there is no right or wrong way to do it, so whatever works for each individual person is is, is great for them. Yeah, no, I mean, yeah. I, don't, I don't think writing is necessarily about efficiency a lot of the time. You know, I don't know. It's like <laughs> creative pursuits, I don't know. It's it's sort of, sometimes it's about the process, right? I don't know. Yeah, I'll, I'll, it's, um, it's just such an individual thing for each for each individual person it, 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 each process is as, an, as individual as each person and so um, yeah whatever whatever works for you I think is, is, is the way to go and I really enjoyed the process of working out in real time with the characters as it were how, how would we get to this this piece of information revealed at the end and now that this book has really taken off, how, like, what has this been like for you? How, I mean, tell me about some of these, like, moments where you found out it was number one on the bestseller list or, you know, like, what was that like? What Do you, like, tell your friends or your parents? Like, who, who, are, who are you in this with? Like, paint, paint a picture for me. <laughs> it's, um, well, I don't know when it will all sink in, actually. It still feels <laughs> pretty. Um, yeah, it's going to take a while to, as I say, just because I had no expectation that any of this would happen. So um, it's just been the most wonderful set of surprises and experiences. Um, yeah. It's, so no, no, any screaming, any jumping up and down, <laughs> like any high fives, nothing like that, no? I think there's a lot of... Um, yeah, just having to have things repeated quite a few times to think, did I imagine? What did, what, what did you say? Uh, or did I read that right? You know, just 
um, because it's just it just feels quite unbelievable. But um, it's amazing. The other thing is, it's a I mean, writing's a necessarily a very solitary business, but being published is more of a team effort because you've got you know all the people involved in bringing a manuscript to a finished book on a shelf so it's wonderful to be able to celebrate if a book does well then you know there's a whole team of people in, with the publisher involved behind making that happen too so um, that's really nice to 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 be able to share that with them too. And are you, are you one of those people who, who gets energy more from being alone more introverted or do you enjoy sort of being out and talking to everybody and doing the publicity and all that stuff? I think um, probably writers are it's quite an odd mixture, quite an odd skill set because you have to actively enjoy spending lots of time alone because when you're working, when you're writing, that's the only way you can do it really, inside your own head. But then also um, you have to kind of be out in the world to, I think, to interact with the world and people and so to get ideas and, you know, be inspired. So it's, it's, it's an odd mix of, of being enjoying alone time and also enjoying interacting um, I don't know if there's a word for that <laughs> <laughs> just being a writer maybe being a writer <laughs> you know, I was chatting with a, a girlfriend at this event last night and she told me how she had just gotten back from a, a two day meditative retreat where she was you had to be silent the whole time and I was thinking to myself oh my god I can never do that and <laughs> I, I was like I'm glad like that's amazing you did that but I like I could not not talk for two days but then I said to her unless I was writing because if I'm writing, it's sort of like I'm talking. It's just there's yeah. nobody, there's nobody yeah. exactly listening right then. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. Well, you have a whole interior life. Imagine you know there are characters and and yeah, exactly. It's it's not your 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 interior life is really busy with with characters and voices yeah. when you're writing. Yeah. Anyway, all us crazy people here, but um, so I understand. Um, so Reese Witherspoon is making this into a movie. Is that right? Yes, very exciting. That's very so exciting. awesome. I like. I'm actually sitting here wearing a Draper James uh, shirt dress of Reese Witherspoon. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like obsessed with her clothing company. Um, do you have like a wish list of who you see as playing Eleanor Oliphant? She's like so real to me. I can't even put a pretend like a real per- an actress into this role, but. Um, do you know it's it's really strange because I I know I know my characters so intimately I know everything about them like how long their toenails are and what brand of shampoo they use and what kind of laundry products they use to wash their clothes every every little detail but I don't see a face when I write them it's it's, it's a much more it, that's that's not the way that I pitch them. So I'm, I'm genuinely I've genuinely got a completely open mind about who might be cast in the various roles, um, and it'll be just so interesting. It's so exciting to to see that happen. Totally, that's exciting. Um, and do you have any more books you're thinking of writing, or are you just gonna coast on this one for a while, which would no, be totally I'm, justified? I'm, I'm, um, <laughs> sorry. No, no, I said, do you have any other books you're thinking of writing, or? Uh, I'm, work, I'm working on a, a new book right now, I'm right in the middle of it, so um, I loved writing Elmer Olfant and um, the characters and the voices in that book, but I'm really enjoying working on something new and different right now, so um, 
watch this space again. Okay, well, <laughs> I will. I, I absolutely will. Um, and for any aspiring novelists who are sitting at their computers on their lunch break, <laughs> debating <laughs> if they should try to write the next great American novel, um, what advice would you would you give them? Oh gosh, that's so difficult. I mean, I guess. It, it, this is hardly a new piece of advice. Um, it's a very, it's very secretly cited, but I, personally, I think the best thing is just to read as much as you can and to read as widely as you can, because um, that's when you're reading other people's work, whether it, what, regardless of what genre it is, read outside of your own genre, read very widely, because whatever you read, you're subconsciously absorbing how to do things well, how, when things don't work, why aren't they working? Um, yeah, I, 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 it's not, I'm sorry, it's not, a, it's not a new piece of advice, That's but okay. I, I do think it's, it's tried and tested and, it, and it's frequently cited for a reason, I think, reading, and really widely reading as well is, is, is one of the best things that you can do. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for all your time today. I really, really appreciate it. I um, feel like I'm talking to a major celebrity because I just, that book was so amazing so um, thank you so much for talking to me and for being on Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books my absolute pleasure it's been lovely to talk to you too alright well take care thanks so much bye bye thank you bye bye This episode of Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books has been sponsored by The Craft Studio, with locations on the Upper East Side and in Tribeca. The Craft Studio is the perfect place to take your kids for all your crafting needs. CraftStudioNYC.com Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.